Welcome into our final edition of the Daily Double Podcast. This has been fun this week, chatting with various handicappers, local, national, about their strategies, their background, and then uh, analyzing uh, a Keelan card, which we're going to do now with Mike Maloney, who uh, got into handicapping several years ago. He's got a a book that you can find that uh, tells his story that uh, will uh, get him to uh, tell us about in a moment. And uh, Mike is a uh, regular player uh, at uh, Keeneland, but not just on the Keeneland races. Uh, Mike, I'll let you kind of give the folks your backstory on getting into handicapping and uh, how you play the races. All right. Uh, Well, good to be on, Tom. Um, I started out like so many people do in racing. My dad brought me into it. You know, you hear that story over and over. Someone's father or their uncle or a friend's dad introduces them to racing and then you get hooked and, and you're in it, uh, for the rest of your life. And that's kind of my story. Dad took me when I was very early, he was a serious handicapper and, uh, you know, we were track buddies for over 50 years. So, uh, spent a lot of good days at the track and I just, you know, immediately loved it, uh, was drawn to the handicapping part of it and, um, you know, have spent a lifetime, trying to improve my handicapping, trying to learn new new things that, that uh, might help me, trying to discard things that I've figured out don't work so well. Um, and, and, you know, just it was my hobby for many years. I was a small businessman here in Lexington and uh, always tried to uh, maneuver my work schedule around so I could make it to Keeneland during the live meets and and then make it to, you know, the other tracks on the Kentucky circuit whenever, whenever I could squeeze it in. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way to, to spend an afternoon and then nothing I enjoy more than that. And, and and it was a great way to spend a lot of time with my dad. Um, And then as time went on after years and years, uh, I, I, I worked hard at handicapping and I started to, uh, you know, to get close to the break-even level. And, um, uh, you know, I started to wonder seriously, you know, is it possible to, to actually make, you know, a few dollars at the track? I've been told my whole life that, you, you know, you can beat a race, but you can't beat the races. And that it, you know, that it's uh, tilting at windmills to, to think about trying to make a living at the track. But, when simulcasting became more prevalent in the 1990s, I, you know, I, I looked at it very seriously then, because you didn't have to to make the hour and a half or two hour drive to the other tracks. You could just go to Keeneland or go to the Red Mile and bet tracks from all around the country. And uh, once that the simulcasting uh, really kicked in, I decided that uh, I would. I would uh, sell my business and and give it a whirl. I did that in in 2000. Became a full time horse player and uh, haven't had to go straight yet. But uh, <laughs> you you never know. <laughs> it's uh, funny. You mentioned uh, your dad and his influence on you. Uh, it was that way for me. I can still remember my dad's favorite spot up in the grandstand at, at Keeneland, where he'd always uh, sit. And then uh, two or three of our Folks that we've talked with in this Daily Double series this week, it was their dads that uh, got them into the game. Now, there's a lot more available uh, at your disposal as a handicapper than there was 
uh, when your dad was showing you the ropes. So what kinds of, of things do you uh, like to take it, take advantage of, and then how do you incorporate them into your overall philosophy? Well, I, you know, I think you have to try to find things, Tom, that, that the public is, is not using every race or not, are not valuing as much as, as you think it might be worth in, in predicting races. So example of that would, would be pace figures and, and just the idea of how pace impacts races and impacts race results. Um, the final times of races, how fast a, tra- a horse actually ran, uh, there's that information is pretty much readily available, and you know most of the money, the vast majority of the money that's bet today, uh, is bet with very good a very good idea of the final time that the horse ran and 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 how that equates versus its competition today. But you can still find opportunities in maybe betting a horse out of a slow-paced race uh, when he comes back and gets uh, gets a, a, a better opportunity with a real pace in front of him. If he's a horse that likes to close, that likes to come from behind, he, he's pretty much eliminated in a lot of circumstances if there's no pace in front of him. So, um, you know, when you're aware of that and you're tracking that and uh, it, it opens up some opportunities for you. And the inverse of that, when you, you know you get a horse that makes an easy lead in a soft pace, that horse will generally run their very best. They'll run a race that they may never reproduce again in the rest of their career. So you you know the idea is to fade that type of horse, um, and and just you know you just increase your 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 opportunities in the wagering pools when you're constantly it doesn't mean that that horses that uh that set a slow pace and get a perfect trip don't come back and 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 win next time once in a while but if you consistently uh bet against uh those type horses and consistently bet on horses that have faced adversity in their in their races it uh, that tends to work out best in the long run and and gives you a chance to, to make a few bucks. Do you have certain types of bets that you tend to gravitate to? I, you know, I always say that the, the betting menu that, that's offered at the track is my toolbox. And I look at myself as a, as a carpenter, and, and the job that I'm evaluating is the race at hand. So there's some races that I see two horses clearly that jump out at me, and then six horses that all kind of look alike. Uh, in an eight-horse field, maybe. Well, the, the simple thing there is is to get into the exact pool. Um, other times, I might see a situation where I see a terrible favorite, where I, I know that this favorite has had uh, very uh, good setups in his last several races, and he's and he's overbet versus his real chances of winning, or even his real chances of maybe running in the top three. In that situation, I might place several horses in trifectas for, you know, for different amounts, depending on, on the horses that I like best, and try to run that favorite completely out of the try. And, you know, then the, if I'm lucky enough to do that, the, the try is going to pay a lot. And, uh, you know, you, you, it's worthwhile to take the risk of getting in a, a, a pool where, 
where the, it's harder to cash the ticket. But if the if the if the opportunity is great enough, it's it's worth the the extra risk. You did a book a few years ago that talks about some of these things we're discussing. Uh, give us the title that folks can find on Amazon and other spots. The book is Betting with an Edge, and uh, it unfortunately my uh, or our I, I co-wrote it with uh, Pete Fornatal, who uh, uh, did a great job, and I, I don't think I could have ever gotten it uh, to the wire myself, but uh, with Pete's help, we did. Uh, but the, our publisher has unfortunately gone out of business, and the book is a little hard to find right now. We're we're hoping to do another another printing ourselves, but uh, we you know the, yeah I think it's available on Amazon, but it uh, you, you know it might be an extra ten bucks or something to get it right now, but hopefully it'll be more available in the future. Jonathan Kenjin was on this series with us earlier in the week. He mentioned that uh, it was one of the uh, books that he has read and uh, so encourage folks to uh, check out betting with an edge uh, by mike maloney and pete uh, fornatel let's uh, talk a little bit about um what is a is there a common mistake that you see yourself making sometimes that you're still trying to correct anything like that <laughs> yeah uh it would be you know uh, just mismanaging my money um common i theme. think Yes, it is. Uh, you know, you hear so many times I'm a great, you know, I'm a great handicapper and I'm a lousy better. You know, I've heard that my whole life. And, and I, you know, I, it, it's true to a certain degree with a lot of people, but I think it's also a little bit of a crutch. Um, you know, the, the, anyone that's serious about the races and anyone that, 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 that really wants to improve their overall game and their actual results at the races, the, the, the number one thing they can do is to to work on their betting strategies, their money management, because that's that's really where it's at. And I I kind of did a, a by uh, just by uh, accident, I did a, a, a betting study. Uh, I had a partner for years, and we sat in the same office at Keeneland, uh, across the desk from each other. We we shared the same database. Uh, we kind of shared the work of, of, you know, doing times around the country and taking trip notes and bias notes. So we worked with the same information, and we discussed each race that we would bet before we went to the to the windows. But we each bet bet our own separate money. Well, it was, you know, I, I thought in that situation maybe, you know, I would have. Uh, a, a minor uh, winning day on a day that my partner maybe had a, a big winning day, or uh, maybe I I would have a, a minor losing day and he and he might have a, a really bad losing day. I thought there'd be some variance like that. It was crazy, Tom. It was there was very little correlation with our results. There were lots of days when one of us had a really good day. And the other one didn't, you know, had a bad day, lost the limit that they had allowed themselves for the day, which I wouldn't have believed to really be possible. But what I learned through that, I, we, we sat together for eight years. So it was thousands of races that we bet and hundreds and hundreds of days at the track that we bet together. And it, 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 that never changed. You know, there were times when we, we, you know, our 
we would both have a great day or we would both break even. But uh, it was amazing how often the results were, were, you know, didn't correlate at all. And what, you know, what that screams at you is that it's all about the betting, you know, that, that the betting matters more than the, than the handicapping. And, and I, you know, I really believe that to be true. And you hear, you do hear it a lot. And yet it's uh, like a lot of things in life, hard, harder to correct than it is to identify. <laughs> yes, it is. It takes, you know, it's, it's not a, a fun pursuit, you know, it's, handicapping i think most of us enjoy the handicapping process and we look forward to doing that and you know that's not a chore but very few of us look forward to uh trying to structure a ticket uh you know trying to bet instead of betting one caveman pick four uh betting you know 12 different tickets uh you know for the same amount that better reflect our opinions in those four races to, you know that make up the pick four so um it, it's a lot more work and it's you know it's it's tedious at times but it's it, it you know when for a serious someone trying to do it uh, bet the horses for a living like myself it's a very necessary thing and and when you say what you know what frustrates me the most or what's the mistake i i make is i can you know i can always find errors you know, things I should have done differently in hindsight at the end of the day. So, uh, but, you know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe, uh, I'm a little too hard on myself sometimes, but that is something I do every day is I'll spend 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes looking over my bets for the day and, and trying to, uh, learn what I can from that process and, and see what I can do better or, or, uh, you know, trying to find and eliminate a, a constant mistake that I make. Yeah, it's probably a little like a, a golfer. You can't approach, you know, every hole the, the same way, even though, you know, you're using the same club from hole to hole. That's a good analogy. And and, and also the constant uh, tweaking you do with your swing during a round. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not missing the left for every iron I hit. You know, it's, it's the, the right distance, but it's on the left fringe of the green. Uh, same way with, you know, putting bets together, you, you know, I find myself, uh, getting in, in, uh, periods of time where I, I feel like I'm not betting aggressive enough. You know, I'm, I'm including too many horses and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, not, uh, not trusting my, uh, my handicapping enough. And then there are other times where I feel the opposite, where I, I, I say to myself, you know, if you would have just included one more horse or, you know, if you would have just um, uh, played, you know, one more horse in the, in the, in the pick four, you, you, you could have found a way to cash that ticket. So it's a constant, like you say, it's a constant adjustment. And, and you know, my, my level of golf, that's, that's what golf is, is for me when I, when I go, it's a, you know, it, it, there's a, it's never, uh, uh, you know, everything down the middle. It's always trying to figure something out. Same Absolutely. way, same way as a track. Let's talk about the Sunday card. Um, and I want to focus on the, uh, grade two Elkhorn. It'll be the final race of the day and thus the final race of this first ever summer meet at Keeneland. Um, nice big field going, um, returns uh, on the grass course and 
you've got uh, Zulu Alpha going to be, uh, I think, probably the, the favorite in there. But uh, it looked to be some others that have a shot. So how did you see the Elkhorn? You know, I saw it. <clears throat> I saw it the, the, with Zulu Alpha as the horse that that you have to figure out. You know, are you are you for or against? And um, I, 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 these are these are hard type races for me, Tom. Where uh, the horse that I think is the best horse, I'm not sure that that the race that today's race is is the absolute target that that horse is being pointed for. Um, so uh, he, Zulu Alpha ha- hasn't run since March. Um, and Mike Maker, his trainer, is very adept at taking a horse on that type layoff and getting him to run a very good race. So uh, I, I can't fade Zulu Alpha. I'm not against him. I know he's the best horse, and I know he's likely to run a competitive race, but you know, I'm not sure he's going to run his absolute A race. And that's a problem in the, in the TVG Elkhorn because there's another horse in there that's, that's, you know, nearly as talented as, as Zulu Alpha, and that's Arclo. So, and Arclo has had a more recent race. He raced in the middle of June. So, you know, he's coming back in 30 days, and that's, you know, I, I like that timing uh, for a turf route. And, I, you know, so the, the situation for me is I think Zulu Alpha is a little better horse, but I prefer the way that Arclo is coming into Sunday's race. So um, that creates the, the, the gambling issues. You know, that's where, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to split some hair somewhere. So uh, what I'm, what I'm going to do in, in this situation is I'm, I'm assuming that Arclo is going to be uh, a better price than, than Zulu Alpha, and and probably that they're not going to be really close. That that Arclo is going to be considerably higher price, even though he'll be the second choice. I, I'm I'm going to lean to Arclo in this situation, but uh, also going to try to to you know I'll use them both in the picks, but. Uh, I may press Arclo slightly just on the value uh, principle. And if you're, if you're at the track every day like I am and you're playing thousands of races a year, you, you, know, you have to always try to get value with your, with your wagers. Um, when horses like Zulu Alpha beat you, you uh, hopefully you find a way to save your money in the race or maybe even make a few bucks with an exacta or with a trifecta and uh, and you move on one other interesting aspect of this race uh zulu alpha and arclo are both what i would consider fairly deep closers they come from off the pace uh they rely on a strong finish to get the job done there's not a lot of committed pace in this race in the elkhorn um i believe that rise the guy may be the best of the speed horses, maybe the best of the horses that license on a pedigree basis to love the mile and a half. And I, I think he's an improving horse that's going to get a, a favorable setup in the race and is going to be value in the race. He'll be a big price, 
and I, you know, there's a scenario where where he could run really well. So he's he's the third horse that I'll that I'll include in the race, and 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 the way I would approach something like this from a betting standpoint would be to use Rise the Guy as as my as my way to make money if Zulu Alpha does win. So I might play an exacto with Rise the Guy under the two uh, horses that I like and then play a trifecta with Rise the Guy boxed with those two and then press it with Rise the Guy maybe running third. Uh, and then if you want to go further, you can even try to get him to run third or fourth in the Superfecta. Uh, you know, you can make it as complicated as you want. But uh, those are the three horses that that uh, the majority of my wagers will be uh, will be tied up to. Anything else throughout that Sunday car that catches your eye? Any other spots? You, you know, I uh, I was a little interested in the, in race three. It's a maiden race uh, going around the ground on the turf, and it's not a simple cut-and-dried race, but um, I, I, uh, there's a horse in there named Parkland. Um, he's he's an interesting horse. The uh, His dam is, um, is a true uh, turf horse, and she throws turf horses. So he's... He's only had a few starts, um, and I liked his last race. He ran wide, and he finished very well. It's only his second lifetime start. He That was his first time on the turf. He ran second at Churchill, and, uh, you know, to me, it showed he's headed in the right direction. He'll have to improve again to run the kind of time that it's going to take to win this race. He's in against a... Uh, a Chad Brown turf horse, uh, who's probably going to be the favorite, a horse named Digital Software. Um, that's a formidable opponent, but, um, uh, I think Parkland will offer value. And that, you know, once again, that's, you know, that's really what playing the horses should be about. It's not how many w- winners you pick, it's not really how many tickets you cash. It's, whether you make money at the end of the day. So uh, Parkland's the kind of horse that that, uh, that fits into that idea. He'll be, he'll be a, a, a bit of a price, and, and you can make a case that uh, if he does improve again, he, he fits right in with these horses. Um, talking with Mike Maloney, and um, lastly, we're going to give you $100 from Keeneland to uh, make a play or two or three and any winnings go to the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. So, how are you playing your hundred bucks? Well, man, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to make some money for the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Um, I actually uh, uh, donated part of the uh, uh, profits on my book to Thoroughbred Aftercare. So, oh, wonderful! Uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's something uh, something I feel strongly about. Um, let's let's make a twenty dollar exacta box on Parkland and digital software. And then we'll keep it simple by uh, betting the rest $30 to win in place on Parkland. There you go. We're loading up on Parkland in race three on the Sunday card, nine to two, I think, on the, the morning line. So, and you probably, you know, the Chad Brown's going to take all the money. So you should uh, <laughs> not have to worry about uh, Parkland getting bet down, I would think. 
Yeah, yeah although his trainer is uh, Carlo Vecareza is uh, having a great meet so far. Miltris uh, did the nice win the other day. Yes, as of right now, he started four horses at the meet, and they've all been on the board. He's had a win, a, a second, and two thirds. So, uh, and I love, you know, that's something I pay a lot of attention to. Is I think uh, trainers and jockeys that start a meet out hot. Uh, I like to I like to get on board. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, that he stays hot. Mike, we'll keep the fingers crossed for Parkland. Thank you for your time, and uh, good luck closing out the summer meet. Thank you, Tom.